Jeremy Swayman, you are a Pittsburgh Penguin. Welcome to episode 7 of Penn's Cast, hosted by yours truly, Lucas Wester. And I think we may have witnessed the best week, weekend, whatever, round one of hockey we may have ever seen. What an absolute gong show of storylines. And as I'm recording this, it's not over. I wanted to record at a time where I knew the uh, Rangers-Devils game and the, you know, the rest of the first round uh, sequentially would be done. And we are 10 minutes left in the third period. The Devils have a 2-0 lead. I obviously will monitor it as I record because I'm going to want to talk about that. But that series aside, no matter the outcome, this was one of the craziest first rounds, if not the craziest first round we've ever seen in NHL history. Just from storylines, from the level of play we've seen, just drama, drama everywhere, up and down the uh, the TV slate. We've seen so many, uh, so much drama, and it's it's been phenomenal. So many upsets, so many underdogs, so many away teams winning games, and obviously some of this stuff affects the Penguins. How does this affect the Penguins? Well, we're going to get into that in a second. We have a Penguin prospect signing long-term overseas. One younger Penguin player re-signs with the organization. We have some GM news in regards to the teams that are still in the playoffs. And uh, we have some fallout from uh, some of the losers as well. We're going to get to all of that here on the Pens Cast, Episode 7. Thank you for joining me. First thing I want to get to is the Penguin Prospect signing long-term. Uh, uh, not here, though. Overseas. Philip Hollander signs a five-year deal in Sweden, in the Swedish Hockey League. And that basically puts a, you know, ties a bow and ends any chance of him ever becoming a Pittsburgh Penguin. You may remember... Philip Hollander was the prospect who was traded uh, originally in the Kasperi Kapanen deal. The full trade on that one is Evan Rodriguez, Dave, David Warsawski, and the 15th overall pick, obviously, as well as Philip Hollander to the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for Kasperi Kapanen, Jesper Lindgren, and Pontus Aberg. The Penguins obviously got... Evan Rodriguez back. It, he was a pending UFA. It was just the signing rights. And Warsawski has been a lifelong AHLer, so it wasn't the big, a big deal. The biggest parts of that deal were supposed to be that 15th overall pick and Hollander going to Toronto in exchange for Kapanen. And that pick ended up being Rodion Amirov, who I think is battling cancer actually at the moment, but he's still a highly touted prospect for the Toronto Maple Leafs and is expected to eventually at some point make that organization. But Hollander was a big part of that, and the Penguins got him back uh, during the preparation of the Seattle Kraken expansion draft, where they did not want to protect Jared McCann over guys like Teddy Bluger and Jeff Carter. So they, instead of losing Jared McCann for nothing, they traded him to the Toronto Maple Leafs, along with, uh, they traded uh, Jared McCann, sorry, to the Toronto Maple Leafs for Hollander back into the organization and as well as a seventh round pick. And there was obviously talk of him eventually, you know, becoming a uh, 
especially during the stretch there where the bottom six wasn't doing anything on this team, there was talk of him being called up uh, for you know an actual trial run to see if he could uh, hang with the, the NHL team. He got two games in the NHL this season, nothing going on. Back in 21-22, he got one game. He had some. He had a good season this year in the AHL. He had 33 points in 43 games, 11 goals, 22 assists. I think he had a very bright future, and it's super unfortunate that we're losing our one of our only few young guys with such upside. So, and obviously, uh, Sam Poland's one of the other guys uh, on the on the team in the organization. That's a very good young player. And obviously, he went through a lot this season, so did that maybe stunt his development as well. It just seems like the Penguins pipeline that Ron Hextall was supposed to be fixing and adding to, there's not a lot there. And I really uh, want to know, or I'd like to know, the reason for Hollander's departure back to Sweden. Uh, you know, obviously, if it's a personal matter or family matter, there's, you know, I have, I have no beef with that or anything, but something tells me. The Penguins organization wasn't going to give him enough of an opportunity to make him want to stay. And that may have factored into this decision to leave and go back to Sweden. But essentially now, the Penguins for Jared McCann got a seventh round pick and two years of AHL Philip Hollander. Not ideal. Not ideal at all. It really looks bad on the uh, organization that they let that slide, that they were okay with how that process went. Give you know be, the biggest part protecting Jeff Carter and Teddy Bluger over a guy like Jared McCann never didn't make sense at the time. It doesn't make sense now, and it's an egg on the face of the organization. More young guys with uh, upside just either wasting their potential or leaving the organization. One guy who is staying in the organization, who is a young forward, is Alex Nylander, who re-signed to a one-year, $775,000 one-way deal. So he's getting paid $775,000 no matter if he's in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton or Pittsburgh, which is a good sign, to me at least, that he's probably going to stay up with the big league team because it doesn't cost any, you don't save anything by having him down in the AHL. I liked him. He didn't put up the numbers or produce the numbers really that I think a lot in the a lot of people in the organization and fans would have liked to see, have seen from him. But he brought a speed and a level of skill that that bottom six needed really badly going down the stretch, and they had not had all season. I really like Alex Nylander. I liked that trade when it happened, although Sam Lafferty seems to be the guy with more value around the league right now than Alex Nylander. That was the Lafferty-Nylander deal from a couple years ago. Um, but, yeah, I like the move. It's cheap. I, my biggest question, and I saw people talking about this online, uh, it's circulating, was kind of who did this? Because we don't have a GM. Mike Sullivan, obviously, is one of the guys who's helping with the transition along with some lower-level execs, but I wonder if this was a Sullivan decision. So, uh, Nylander was one of the only players, young players, that was really given a chance on this roster. Uh, we had uh, stints, like I said, where Hollander was called up, where Gruden, Jonathan Gruden was called up, weren't given much ice time, weren't given much of a chance. But... Nylander was one of the young guys who the, uh, who Mike Sullivan really trusted, it seemed like. 
him, I think along with Ryan Paling and Drew O'Connor, they're kind of like the young forward trio I kind of all associate with one another, even though uh, O'Connor and Paling have been around a little bit longer, in the NHL at least, than uh, Nylander. Nylander seemed like it took him a while once he got to the Penguins organization to get called up, specifically this season. But yeah, I, it's, I think that may be a Mike Sullivan decision, and I also think that because of that, we might see more of him... Uh, going on uh, this season into the season I might I think we might see more Alex Nylander and I think that's a good thing I like I said I really liked his play this this past year I think with the uh, with a better third line center he might uh, put up some more points so let's take a quick look at what's happened so far this uh, this first round because a lot has happened a lot of weird teams Honestly, I, I know I posted my bracket before, and it's not 100% accurate, but the teams I've wanted to win, I think have basically won every series. I know not the teams I predicted to win, because I don't go off of my heart, I go off of my brain. My heart was right in, uh, this time. The only team maybe I'd say no, no to in that regard is maybe Edmonton. I think I like the uh, LA Kings, and I like that team a little bit more, but... Uh, I think I did have the I had the Edmonton Oilers actually in the Western Conference Final against the Boston Bruins. Don't remind me, but yeah, a lot of upsets here. Obviously, the biggest story: the Boston Bruins going down in seven games to the Florida Panthers. Um, and I was talking to a friend about this series. Obviously, last night after it happened, I don't think this is as much about how good the Florida Panthers are. I think it's more about how bad and unbelievably underwhelming the Boston Bruins play this this series. I Linus Olmark has been a guy who has had a target on his back this series, mainly because he had such an unbelievable regular season where he's going to win a Vesna. Probably the first goalie I think ever to to presumably win the Vesna and score a goal. Like just accolades after accolades for this guy, and he did not live up to it this first round. Then game seven, they decide to make the switch to Jeremy Swayman, which I understood the rationale, but I still thought it was the wrong idea. The guy who got you there, you should, I, th- I thought in that situation you ride with him, and you, got, you ride with the guy who's more fresh, who's actually played you know, in actual games more recently. They went with Swayman, and it didn't work out for them. They lost in overtime what was it? Four to three. I want to make sure I got that right. A four to three. Cardi, uh, Carter Verhage with the overtime winner. Perfect screen by Matthew Kachuk. It was just gorgeous. And I mentioned this last episode. Um, everything, everything that happens on the offensive side for the Florida Panthers, the engine is Matthew Kachuk. He runs it all. And even on that goal, he got the primary assist, and he had that perfect screen right in front of Swayman that made it impossible for Swayman to grab that Verhage shot. But all marks to uh, not all, not all mark, all the marks to Verhage for making that great shot though as well. And Brandon Montour, who with just a minute left tied the game. Florida had a two nothing lead. Then Boston came roaring back with three unanswered goals. Montour gets a game tying goal under all the stress with just under with exactly a minute left assisted by Verhage. And then Verhage puts it away in overtime. Just an insane, insane game. One of the craziest upsets we've ever seen in NHL history. The Titan comes down. London Bridge is down. The Boston Bruins have been eliminated. 
And that makes me think, remember how I said, how can I make this about the penguins? Well, here I go. The Because of how well and how many games, mainly, Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci played in the regular season this year, the Boston Bruins are at a cap overage for next season. I believe it's $4 million. So that makes their cap situation that I've been talking about the past few episodes even worse, significantly worse. And odds are, I think they're going to have to move off of a goalie. You see where I'm going? Jeremy Swayman, you are a Pittsburgh Penguin. Obviously, it's not going to be that easy. There's assets that need to be sent, and the Penguins don't have many young assets or any assets that I think they'll be willing to part with. But I think it makes it a little more plausible. And this isn't something that just happened because of the Bruins losing. This was something that would have happened regardless if they moved on or not. It's just something that wasn't widely reported enough, and I didn't even know about it until afterwards because it kind of was like an oh, egg on your face. Not only did you lose in the first round having the best regular season ever, also you're going to be without your two top centers likely next year, and because they played this year and got and achieved their performance bonuses, you're going to not have enough money next year to ice a good enough roster. I think they're probably still going to be a playoff team. But they're losing a lot of guys to UFA. I think they're losing a good group of leaders to retirement. And may lose one of their goalies. And to boot, there's a lot of good Atlantic up-and-coming teams. I'm looking at you, Buffalo. I'm looking at you, Ottawa. So maybe Boston really, really overplayed their hand this year. And they, I mean, they went for it as they should. And the trade deadline acquisitions they made performed great. Bertuzzi, Orlov, fantastic. Hathaway was in there too. He was contributing. But I don't think it's set in stone that this Boston Bruins team is necessarily guaranteed a playoff spot next year. Toronto has been playing really well. I expect them to be there. Tampa, I know they just lost their first. Eastern Conference playoff series in like th- four years. I there I think they're still a talented group, talented enough core to get them to the playoffs. They're not going to lose anyone that significant this offseason. And then Florida, who everyone it seems underestimated, they're probably still going to be in the hunt. They're, as long as they have Matthew Kachuk, they're going to be in it. He's legitimately a top five player in this league. And value-wise... As in terms of value to his team, MVP, I'm thinking he's a top three player. At least this season he was. Nonetheless, yes, I think this makes the Swayman to Pittsburgh rumors bubble a little a little hotter now that the Bruins are out of the first uh, in the first round. And they didn't really play him. Uh, they didn't. They, they went through the regular season as a pretty pure tandem, but then when it came to the playoffs. They stuck with Olmark for the first six games and then decided to throw the cold Jeremy Swayman who hasn't played, just threw him to the Wolves and he lit up a four spot in about 68 minutes of play, which isn't terrible. But I think the Bruins in front of him played too poor, too many giveaways and uh, Florida just looked way, way, they looked like they wanted it more. Honestly, but... Then, later in the night, not only did we lose the 
President's Trophy winners, we lost the reigning Stanley Cup champions to the second year first playoff Seattle Kraken. Kraken win game seven in Denver two to one and obviously take the series four to three. Two goals back to back by Oliver Bjorkstrand in the second period. It was all the Kraken needed offensively to get it done and Philip Grubauer shut down his former team after a really bad regular season last year where it looked like that signing was god-awful and a pretty mid regular season this year he gets it done he came up huge against his former team the team that decided that they couldn't win with him so they let him walk and traded for Darcy Kemper obviously they won a cup out of it so it worked out for them but just one year removed from that he comes back for revenge and the Kraken are moving on to the second round. That's just what happened last night. And just to take a look on what's happening in that New Jersey-New York game, the Devils are up 4-0 with two minutes left. Congratulations to the New Jersey Devils. You are going to face the Carolina Hurricanes in round two. Boy, do we have a slate of series up next. But let's take a quick look here. Obviously, another huge story. Toronto makes the second round for the first time in 2000, uh, since 2004. How is that not the lead story? Well, because this has been one of the craziest uh, first rounds in history. In Game 7, I'm uh, sorry, not Game 7, Game 6 in overtime in Amelie Arena in Tampa Bay, John Tavares uh, kind of curls around the net, uh, then curls and shoots, and it hits off of Darren Radish's skate of the Tampa Bay Lightning, goes past Vasilevsky, and pandemonium all over Southern Toronto as the Maple Leafs make the playoffs, make the second round, sorry, and have their first playoff series win, like I said, since 2004. They've gone longer without a playoff series win than the Penguins had a playoff streak. Both streaks end, ironically, in the same year, but the uh, the Penguins' playoff streak was less than the... Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs playoff list streak, which is just insane. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, like I said, lose their first Eastern Conference series in four years. And it's uh, honestly, I think John Cooper is a great coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning, but he just seemed like a whiny baby all series. And all in all of his press conferences, he just seemed like he, he, he obviously he's, he went in with a, an agenda, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really respect the way he went about things this series. It seemed like he was always baiting either the refs or the media or the fans. Just something about him rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm really happy for the Toronto Maple Leafs moving on because their fans have been so tortured. They deserve this. But how does this affect the Penguins? Well, I've been mentioning multiple times that I thought the top guy, the Penguins in Fenway Sports Group, would go after is a fellow by the name of Kyle Dubas, who's been the general manager for the Toronto Maple Leafs for I think the last five years or so. It was Lou Lamorello, and then Lamorello uh, left, and Kyle Dubas was promoted from AGM to GM. But I thought this, this whole Dubas to Pittsburgh thing was very contingent on the Toronto Maple Leafs losing in the first round. I even predicted in my bracket that the Tampa Bay Lightning would win. I was wrong full marks to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They played a great series, and I think that they're going to play the Florida Panthers very hard in the second round. 
And I don't think it's, I, I'd say it's likely that the Toronto Maple Leafs are in the final four uh, come two weeks from now. But not to get ahead of ourselves, all Kyle Dubas needed to stay and get an extension and get a promotion if he wants the, to be the president or whatever, all he needed to do was win one round. That was the bar for Toronto. I know it sounds crazy for Penguin fans, but the bar was so much lower in Toronto than it is in Pittsburgh and a lot of other markets. He got that. Guarantee you, if he wants the president job, that Brandon Shanahan will step down or MLSE will fire him and they'll give all full control to Kyle Dubas if that's what he wants. If not, if he just wants a bunch of money and a bunch of term, they'll do that too. Because any report you hear about how Fenway Sports Group is going to give him a blank check and whatever role he wants, MLSE, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, the ownership group of the Toronto Maple Leafs, they can do it too. They are run by two, the, the two telecom companies in Canada. The, the, the only two. It's like if AT&T and Verizon owned a hockey team and saying that they don't have the money to spend to the salary cap. Bullcrap. This is Rogers and Bell in Canada. They're the two, two of the biggest companies in the country co-owning a hockey team. They will spend and they will give Kyle Dubas whatever he wants now that, they've, now, now that he's won a series. I think the bar should be higher, honestly, but it is what it is. Kyle Dubas is going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs general manager come next season. I completely believe that. I would be At this point, I'd be shocked if he's a Pittsburgh Penguin or anything other than the Toronto Maple Leafs general manager. The other guy we were looking at was kind of my number two was Eric Tolsky, the assistant general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes. Well, they moved on. Carolina Hurricanes beat the New York Islanders in six games as well, also winning game six in overtime like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Their centerman veteran, Paul Stastny, got the series clinching goal. As we expected, it was going to be a lower scoring series, and it was other than, I think, one outburst by the Islanders in one of their games that they won. But I think the Hurricanes moving on, I don't think it necessarily eliminates Tolski from contention, but I think it makes it harder for the Penguins uh, and you know ownership to make that decision and wait him out, wait until the Hurricanes fall out, because now it's Carolina, New Jersey, and I'm not a genius, obviously, for my first round picks. I think I went like six for eight, I think, five for eight, I don't know, something like that. Um, but Carolina has to be favored against the New Jersey Devils. I don't know how it's going to work, but I, if I were a betting man, I would say the Carolina Hurricanes are favored probably in that series just by virtue of also being the number one seed and having home ice advantage. Do the Penguins really want to wait another two weeks as the offseason starts approaching? It's already May 1st. By the time you're hearing this, it's May 2nd. Do the Penguins really want to wait longer? to make this decision. I think, and I would, I've always thought, that obviously, <coughs> excuse me, obviously they want to get the right person, but I don't think they want to wait out that long. I think they need to get whoever they want to be, get in there in as soon as possible and hopefully start, you know, preparing for the offseason. There's a lot of big decisions to be made. 
Jason Zucker resigning? Can you can you make that work? Are you what's what are you doing in goal? Are you keeping Tristan Jari? If you are, how much are you paying him? If you're not, what are you looking for? Are you going to try to go sign Freddie Anderson, Antti Ranta? Uh, who else? I think Reimer might be a UFA. I don't know. Uh, Jonathan Quick was someone that Mets brought up on the on the on the episode he was featured on. Uh, guys, like and or are you going to go out and trade? We're going to get into another possible goalie option here in a second, but Jeremy Swayman's obviously the one that I've been beating to death. That's the the guy I've been talking about. I think the Penguins need to look elsewhere. Start considering that those two guys aren't going to be possibilities. Move forward, get some interviews done because everyone else you can interview, you got to wait for these guys. Get out there, see what's out there, see what you can do to match your organizational philosophy that you know analytics and numbers and everything. And go out there and start making moves to make to you know get to a decision here we can't we don't have forever gotta start getting that done speaking of another goalie we can trade for i would like to spend some time talking about the winnipeg jets and how this can affect the pittsburgh penguins if you haven't been following the winnipeg jets were the first team to be eliminated in the first round they lost in five games to the vegas golden knights and at one point in January, they were the top-seeded team in the Western Conference. Not in the NHL, obviously, because, you know, Boston existed. But they were the top seed in the West. They fell off hard down the stretch and barely made the playoffs. Nashville was on their tails up until the very end. Calgary was on their tails till the very end. Just made the playoffs. Connor Hellebuck, I think in game 80 or 81, 82, put on some kind of show to like to clinch it. And their game, their clinching game, he was huge. Now, obviously, there has been a lot of tumultuousness, for lack of a better word, around that organization in Manitoba for a long time. Evander Kane left on bad terms. Dustin Bufflin just disappeared on what many people believed were bad terms. It just seems like there's been so many reports of how sour that room is. And the leadership group, they're all still there. Granted, Rick Co- head coach Rick Bonus removed the captaincies from Blake Wheeler. But after game five, Rick Bonus got in front of the media for about 55, 60 seconds and tore his team a new one. Basically saying... There was no pushback. There was their better players were so much better. I think this was a direct quote than Winnipeg's best players, and it looked. It basically he was basically saying that they looked like they didn't care. And of course, you know, being the great guy he is, Blake Wheeler decided to open his mouth and lock out clean out locker room clean out day. Jesus Christ! It's eleven p.m. Give me give me a break, and. He basically said, I didn't appreciate that. We didn't appreciate that. We could have, you know, talked about that in the room, yada, yada. First of all, the Winnipeg Jets and their and their leadership brass, their best players, are a bunch of freaking losers. I, there's rumors that a lot of, that a lot of their top guys are going to be available. There's, I think there's going to, I personally believe that they're long overdue for a retoll, a rebrand. They need to get 
all that sourness that's been there for so long out of there. Get Shifley out of there. Get Wheeler out of there. Those are the two big ones, honestly. But it sounds like it could be even bigger than that. Connor Hellebuck, I think, has one year left on his deal. I think a trade for him would cost a lot more than Jeremy Swayman. This is where we get to how it affects the Penguins. Yes, yeah, so personally, he has less he has less control, granted. Like I said, one year to UFA, whereas Swayman is a pending RFA. But Connor Hellebuck is a Vesna Trophy winner. Connor Hellebuck is one of the top three to five goaltenders in the world. And it sounds like Winnipeg might want to move off of him, especially if they're going into this long, you know, refresh, rebuild, however Kevin Dayoff, the general manager, wants to call it. It sounds like there's going to be movement. I don't want to get Penguin fans' hopes up because I, if we don't have the, if we don't have the assets to get Jeremy Swayman, I doubt we have the assets to get Connor Hellebuck. However, just think about it. Think about it for a second. Think about how nice it would be to have a goaltender as reliable as Connor Hellebuck. Think about how nice it would be to have a goaltender who can play as many games as Connor Hellebuck. That guy has been a Trojan horse for that organization since he broke into the league. His first year, he played 26 games. Okay, you're a rookie, yada, yada. Since then, 56, 67, 63, 58, 45, 66, 64. 45 was the COVID year, by the way, where I think only like 50 games were played anyways. That guy plays games. He plays games. It's unbelievable how much he how many games he can, you know, eat for that team. And you know what? What's even better than games played? Save percentage. Let's go through his save percentage by years. Starting with his rookie year. 918, 907, 924, 913, 922, 916, 910, 920. He didn't have the best playoffs. This year, 886 in the playoffs. But that team gave him nothing in front of him. They gave up. Especially, there was, their best defender wasn't on the ice. Josh Morrissey missed most of the series, I believe, with an injury. So, like I said, think about how nice it would be. Just, sit, just chew on it. Sit with it. Connor Hellebuck. He's from America. He's from Michigan. He's a, he's a good old American boy. I think it wouldn't be crazy to think that maybe he'd want to leave. Maybe he'd want to come to one of the best uh, hockey organizations in North America. Maybe. Just maybe. Just to take a look at his contract. Let's see how much he's making. Like I said, it's one only one year left after this year. Uh, he's making $6.166 million. If you're thinking of getting a guy like Freddie Anderson, probably around the 4 to $5 million range in UFA, I'd say probably similar for Ranta, maybe a little bit less. If you're getting Swayman, I think you're probably, as well as the assets you have to pay, you're probably looking at like a $5 million, maybe three, four year range deal. It's not, it, it would be more expensive, but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. And that's a guy who I think you get him out of that sour organization, that sour locker room. I think he could thrive. 
I think you do especially well with a team that has you know some solid uh, defenders on it. Not saying the Penguins are that, but I think if he gets a better defense than he had in Winnipeg, especially recently, I know in his earlier years they had a very good defensive core. Their like fourth best guy was like Jacob Truba back in the day, but that's a guy who can excel. You put him on like a slightly better team. That's a guy who can take you to the final four, honest, genuinely on his own. He's so talented. And if you're looking at age, he kind of lines up with the Penguins' prime right now. He is 30, sorry, not even 30, he's 29. He's only 29 right now. So if you trade for him, you give him maybe a four-year deal, he's going to get a raise from the $6 million, granted. Don't get me wrong. He's probably going to be one of the top five highest paid goalies in the league. I'd say the number has to start with eight um, on his new deal. But there's something there, something to think about. And I was thinking about, because everything has to be about the Penguins, but there's other guys on that team. And I've come to the conclusion, regardless of how good and talented there's a lot of their skaters are, I want nothing to do with specifically those two and Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. Keep those guys away from my team. They seem like buzzkills. They seem like just terrible personalities. Maybe they do better in new situations. Maybe it's better to start as a new guy and kind of have to work your way up the uh, social ladder in a locker room. I don't know. I haven't been a part of too many locker rooms. But... I think I think that team needs a fresh start. And I think all those guys really need a reality check because they played like crap against Vegas, which is the reason we're talking about this. It's not just because they're jerks. It's because they literally played terrible in that first round where a lot of people predicted Vegas could be fragile and Winnipeg could upset them. We didn't know who the goalie was for the Vegas Golden Knights in this series. We had no idea that it was going to be Brassois. We had no idea that they were going to stick with Brassois through the entire series. And and the Vegas Golden Knights made slight work of the Winnipeg Jets in a series that, like I said, a lot of people thought was going to be a lot more competitive. Instead, you got nothing out of it. Absolutely nothing. You got a coach who hates his players, and you got a bunch of players on the, the, the leadership group of that team that kind of hate their coach now. Good times in Manitoba. Good times. But not much better here um, as we sit and watch. And on a personal note, I don't know if other Penguin fans felt this way. Please let me know if you did. I couldn't help but think about, man, this that could have been the Penguins when I was watching the Florida Panthers taking over the Boston Bruins. I don't think they would have. But like I said, I don't think it was as much about how good Florida was. I think it was Boston legitimately fumbled. And you want to talk about a payback for 2012 whenever the Penguins got swept by the Bruins in the Eastern Conference Final? What perfect payback would it have been to not even sweep them? If the Penguins got that final wild card spot and they did exactly what Florida did, where they win in seven games. You win game seven at the TD Garden, in front of all those Boston sports fans who've been spoiled their entire lives. I'm a Pittsburgh fan. I know I've been spoiled a good bit. Boston uh, Bruins, Celtics, Red Sox, Patriots fans, they are spoiled rotten. And how 
poetic would it have been and payback for what happened 11 years prior to go in there with that team that has been, you know, just ridiculed all year. This was the worst Penguins roster in a while and lineup courtesy of Ron Hextall. If the Penguins could go, could have went in there and taken it to the Boston Bruins, to a Boston Bruins team that was underperforming at every aspect in the series, who says they wouldn't have done it against the Penguins? Penguins, I don't think, are as good as the Panthers. But like I said, it was more about how terrible Boston played than it was about how good Florida played. But I do want to give some one more shout-out, one more full marks to Brandon Montour on the Florida Panthers, who got that tying goal. He, I saw someone on Twitter describe him as the defensive Tage Thompson, where he was just mediocre for years and then just popped off and is a superstar now. That is a guy who I think the Anaheim Ducks and Buffalo Sabres are going to regret letting go. He seems like a legitimate stud. He had 70 points this year on the back end for the Florida Panthers. That guy is a stud if there ever was one. And Florida got a good one there. I think that's everything I wanted to talk about that I wrote down. Um, Maybe some quick series previews or predictions uh well I, i don't think i mentioned but dallas beat minnesota in six games that was a great series i thought it would definitely go to seven but dallas was able to secure it in game six to win that one so dallas faces seattle and like we talked about the vegas winnipeg series uh la lost to edmonton the edmonton oilers are going to face the vegas golden knights in round two and then out in the out east toronto and Florida, what a great matchup. Um, it's going to be Matthew Kachuk against the world. Genuinely, it's going to be a great series. I do think Toronto wins, but last time I bet against them, um, against a Florida team, they won. So maybe I should say go Panthers, but nonetheless. And then the one that just got confirmed just now is the Devils will be playing the Carolina Hurricanes. Those are the series we got. So quickly, don't want to spend too much time on this. I haven't thought too much about these series because they all kind of just became known recently other than the Vegas-Edmonton one. Dallas-Seattle is a very interesting series. I don't really know what to make of it because I thought Colorado would definitely win, uh, win against Seattle in round one. And I had Dallas winning that first round series, but I thought it would be a little tighter. I thought it would definitely go to a game seven. I still give the edge to Dallas, but I kind of have learned to not bet against the Seattle Kraken. But I'm going to do it anyways, because I still think that Dallas has the depth and right now the health to take on the how deep of a Seattle Kraken team that they are. So, and I think at the at, at their best, Dallas has the advantage in goal. Grubauer obviously had a great round one. Ottinger, like a Hellebuck, is a top five goalie in the league. And he played great. I expect him to be on his A game in the series against Seattle. Especially, also, if Seattle's without Jared McCann, their top goal scorer. So I'd give the advantage to Dallas, but something tells me not to bet against the Kraken anymore. So I'm just going to... I had that caveat there. 
the other Western series we got is Vegas-Edmonton. This is going to be a good one because I think Vegas proved they are a top team in this league in that first round. They embarrassed the Winnipeg Jets. Whereas Edmonton played tighter with LA. There are points in the series I thought LA was going to win, but they have Connor McDavid and Vegas doesn't. But fun storyline, the Vegas Golden Knights have Jack Eichel. So we finally get an Eichel McDavid playoff series. Most of us back in 2015 probably thought that would be a Sabres-Oilers Stanley Cup final in 2019, 2018, whatever. took a little longer, and it took a trade, but we got it. Vegas, Edmonton. I hate betting against Connor McDavid, but I trust the Vegas Golden Knights a lot more. They play a, they're a deeper team, I think. Edmonton's deeper than they were last year, but I think Vegas is still deeper than what Edmonton has now. I like their defense a lot better. I would like it better if Logan Thompson came back, but Laurent Brassois has played good. He played really good in that first round. I still don't trust it. I still don't trust having him as your goalie in a second round, but he can prove me wrong. Totally okay with that. So my prediction is that the Western Conference Final will be Dallas-Vegas. Leave that there. In the East, let's start with the one that got confirmed yesterday, Florida-Toronto. Like I said, I think Toronto is a much better team. I think they have the advantage in basically every category. Caveat, the Sergei Bobrovsky factor. He's the second goalie in a row to eliminate a, in round one, a record-setting regular season team. When he's hot, when he's at his best, he's phenomenal. I actually did a little bit of research on him this past week and was reading some articles about cases for him to make, to make the Hall of Fame. He has multiple Vesnas, doesn't have a cup or anything yet, but it's just an interesting case. It's, it's one of those where you don't really think about him in the Hall of Fame conversation, but he has trophies and he has some really good career stats as well. I know recently, ever since he signed with Florida, it's looked like, oh, you know, I mean, that's a lot of money for him. He's kind of not playing up to the contract. You know, he has good, really good years. He has some really bad years. But there's a case for him to be a Hall of Fame goalie one day, especially, I think, if he can get Florida and take them on a run here. But at the end of the day, all that aside, the Kachuk factor, the Bobrovsky factor aside, I still think the Maple Leafs are just so deep. If the Tampa Bay Lightning couldn't beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, I don't see a world where the Florida Panthers beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's the same Florida Panthers that I know just defeated the best regular season team in NHL history. And the other East matchup that just got got finalized just now is that New Jersey Devils, Carolina Hurricanes. I have had zero time to think about that because we just found out about it. But off the cuff, New Jersey is very fast. They 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 looked they made they embarrassed the Rangers I think this series the Rangers should have won I had them going to the Eastern Conference Final and I'm kind of feel like a goof now but the New Jersey Devils proved that speed is still so important in today's game and they are the speediest can they outskate the Carolina Hurricanes I think they can it's kind of it's just a unique battle of styles where you have high flying speed. And New Jersey, 
and you have more defensive, you know, trappy type dump and chafe, chase and then, you know, start something in Carolina. I think in stylistically, I think the advantage goes to Carolina. They also have been there. They have, you know, they, they, their playoff, uh, they have some playoff experience there. Whereas New Jersey really doesn't have any. Timo Meyer, Dougie Hamilton. Oh, it's the Battle of Dougie Hamilton, too. I didn't even think about that. Another storyline there. But at the end of the day, I'm taking Carolina because I like their how they match up. Um, the only thing with them is that they really do need to get better, more consistent goal scoring. Uh, that was a worry of mine in that first round against the Islanders. And I'm very interested to see if they're able to up their game anymore now that they're moving into round two. But we'll see. So then my after round one, round two starts Tuesday or Wednesday? Let me take a look. Oh, we have, we have a game tomorrow. We have a game tomorrow. Yeah, the, the Maple Leafs, Florida start tomorrow. Wow, okay. So now that round one's officially over and there's only a little bit of an overlap until round two starts, and I'm in it right now. I'm, these are my predictions. Carolina, Toronto, Eastern Conference Final, the Battle of Freddie Anderson, and then Vegas, Dallas, out west. I think experience will reign supreme. But we'll see. I'm looking forward to a really good round two. And we're going to have the first week of round two here uh, until the next episode. So everyone, please enjoy round two hockey because round one is always the best, but it was especially good this year. The best hockey we've gotten in a long time. We just finished up. Also, just some logistic logistical news. There will be some bigger changes coming to the Pens cast starting, I believe, next week. I can't talk about it all yet, but there's some big, big movers and shakers, you know, big things happening here at the Pens cast. It's still going to be me. I'm still going to be the guy running the show and everything, but it's going to come at you a little differently. It's going to be a little bit of a different way of consuming Pens cast. Um, all good things, nothing bad. No one's in trouble. But that's all for me. So please enjoy round two and try, if you're a fan of any of those teams that's still left, please try to keep your heart rate down because we just got the most heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching first round we've ever, we've ever had, ever. But before you enjoy round two hockey, be sure to follow the Penscast at pens underscore cast on Twitter and Instagram. Or you can follow me, or in addition to, you can also follow me, at Lucas Wester. Just how it sounds on both of those platforms as well. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Like I said, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart, Amazon Music, CastBox, I think is one, few others. But stick around for next week. We got big things coming coming your way. Sure, there'll be some Penguins news in the meantime as well, but enjoy hockey, stay at it, and we'll be back.